It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Blog Talk Radio. Fresh cut grass. I'm back in my helmet, cleats, and shoulder pads. Standing in the huddle, listening to the call. Fans going crazy for the boys of fall. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the fifth quarter with Coach Johnson. I'm your host, Dave Johnson. Uh, glad to have you with us tonight. Glad to be back on the show. Um, had to take a break last week for some uh, Miss JC for some family family uh, things and uh, for the holidays. And uh, we're all glad to be back and uh, hope to have a good show tonight. Uh, first thing, though, before we do, I want to wish my lovely wife Jennifer. Happy anniversary today. Ada ain't there to Ada wasn't there to spend it with you and be home tonight, but uh, hopefully we'll be able to uh, uh be there tomorrow and we can do uh, whatever we was gonna do today. So happy anniversary, honey. I appreciate you putting up with me for fourteen years, so um, somebody ought to give her a medal for that, I'm sure. Um, she will probably agree. Uh, also, we sure don't want to forget uh, today is uh, uh, 17 years ago today what happened on on 9/11. I was driving up the road today and uh, heard them uh, talking about it. You know, of course, um, it being our anniversary, we never forget it either as well. But you know, they they keep asking. All these talk show people and stuff, they were asking if they remembered where they were when all this happened. And, uh, you know, I actually do remember uh, where I was that very day. And uh, uh, like they said, you know, everybody was just saying, hey, you need to turn on the TV. Uh, a friend of mine named Gary Wheeler that uh, I've knew forever, ever. He knew me, knew my parents before I was ever born. And, uh, we used to roll together all the time. He called me and said, man, you need to turn on the TV. And, and I did, and nobody knew what was going on, of course, till, till it was after the fact. But, you know, there was a lot of people um, that died that day um, 17 years ago in, in that tragedy, no, no doubt about it. And uh, a lot of people, you know, I, it brings me to a good point here. And, and you think about this, of course, most of the time you, bad things have to occur before people really can see stuff or you start thinking about stuff. So, um, you know, I, you often wonder, 
how many people would would risk their lives to to save other people um, if there's not something you know really uh, really in it for them? I mean, everybody um, today in this world, everything's driven by money and popularity. Uh, you know, and to think that there is actually people out there. Uh, that would do things to help you, even if it meant um, them losing their life. Now, there's probably not very many, but there still is people out there. And the people on the plane that went down in Pennsylvania, they actually, um, according, you know, to everything we know, that it was headed for the White House or the Pentagon, and and uh, they uh, they bound together and and wrestled into the cockpit and then knew it was going to crash and. In Pennsylvania, and, and uh, of course, they lost their lives with everybody else. And uh, you know, and I did, um, and I heard uh, President Trump talk today. You know, they were heroes. Uh, it was a heroic thing, and, and you just don't hear of that kind of stuff normally if, if people doing it. Nobody wants to to do anything that's going to upset anybody or or nothing like that, or something major has to be in it. For them before they will do do things, and you know that just just shows you that there is there is a few uh, good people left in this country that uh, actually want to do things without having um, you know without big money being involved or gaining some kind of popularity amongst their friends or or uh, a company they carry, and uh, it's a rarity that that's for sure, but. Uh, it, uh, it's hard to find people like that, honestly, and, uh, um, you know, just for the uh, help of, uh, and the sake of helping others, um, because it's the right thing to do. And, uh, you know, today, today certainly is, is a, you know, a sad day for all the family uh, members that were lost and the families that are still here, those that were lost, and, uh, you know, I think we're in a lot better place uh, today than we were then with all this stuff. I know I'm, I hate to fly more than anybody can ever imagine. And, uh, you know, all this security and, and all that stuff, it, it's aggravating. And I, I'm telling you, I have zero patience. But this is the reason we have it right here. Just everybody forgets that the reason it's there. And I'm one of those people, and I'm sitting here pointing at myself, Tell you that I forget because I'm, I'm one of the very ones that forget it as well. So you just think about that when you're flying and you're mad and the lines are long and why why it is that? Because you know when we let our guard down, um, what happened? And now um, at least for for a few years our guard won't get let down. So um, just want to uh, you know just thank the, those those heroic people for what they did and all the. Like I said, the family members and the, uh, the families that were lost and, and that kind of stuff. But, uh, like I said, there's very few people just do the right thing just because it is the right thing. So uh, everybody keep that in thoughts and prayers. Um, so as everybody knows, um, college football and the NFL is in full swing now and officially kicked off. And, uh, you know, we... I haven't seen a whole lot of it. Been been really busy, and uh, haven't seen a whole lot. Um, what I, what 
few games I did see, we have seen who is the cream of the crop uh, in college and, and probably in the uh, NFL as well. And, uh, you know, the, some of these games we watched have just been terrible. Uh, some of these teams, and, uh, even in the NFL, and we watched uh, – when I watched some preseason games, you know, you talk – um, everybody, that's like a strangest to most people. And some of these teams look like, uh, look terrible in those precincts. So, you know, there's no uh, reason to think it. Well, it's just preseason, but I'm telling you, some of them look terrible. And uh, you, you've seen it in, in opening week here in the NFL. Um, uh, Coach Mike Watts going to join us here in just a second. We're going to talk about the college and NFL. And uh, also um, in Myrtle Beach, South Carolina, this past weekend, we had a USWFL uh, league meeting over there. And uh, speaking of tragedy, let's all not forget of what's going on, you know, up and down the coast. Uh, we just did get out there um, last Sunday, and I had to go to Tampa, Florida, and then I'm in Baltimore, Maryland today. And the, the evacuation and, and things, the traffic, man, it's, uh, it's terrible. Uh, so, you know, let's not forget what all is going on with that and the people there. We've actually got some friends that live in Myrtle Beach, and, uh, you know, they had to evacuate themselves. So, um, you know, there's uh, all these storms at that time of year when they hit and uh, cause things to wreak havoc. So, but we did have a, a good uh, league meeting over there. We had no idea that this storm would be coming and that. Uh, we planned on leaving on Sunday anyway, but um, we for sure got out of there in time. So uh, let's get let's get Coach Mike on the phone. How about it, Mike? You there? Yeah, I'm here, brother. How are you? Hey, man, what's going on, bud? Uh, nothing. Hey, listen, uh, I have Facebook and all, and I, for some reason I didn't know it was your anniversary, so happy anniversary. <laughs> well, man, I appreciate it. Yeah, yeah. I think um, – I think you, you were keeping it a secret from me, I think. You were keeping it a secret. <laughs> I, I figured you probably know. Uh, uh, it's, uh, like I said, 14 years, man. That, uh, somebody probably ought to give Jennifer a, a gold medal for putting up me for that Hell. long, for sure. Well, that's like if I'd have known, I'd have sent her some or something. <laughs> <laughs> no, no doubt. No doubt. Man, we... Uh, you know, we we talked about uh, women's football a lot. We'll start with that where we had the, had the league meeting over there. And, um, you know, a lot of people uh, don't know. And we went back to the, uh, you know, the tradition uh, of the traditional roots of the USWFL. And, uh, you know, and it was started to, uh, for to be a developmental league and, uh then, you know, you start, we started getting some good teams in it, even long before um, me and Jennifer are taking it over. And um, now, you know, there seems to be uh, each year gaining more ground, uh, getting these better teams. Um, but we went back to uh, really putting in place. And, it, and last year, this sort of slipped away from us. Um, it was an oversight, really, to – Cap these um, Iron Woman division of 22 players, um, but this year we wanted to make sure that it got back uh, to exactly what you know what 
we need it. There is, there's all kinds of teams um, out there that uh, fall in this, the, within these guidelines of this division, and uh, not necessarily in our league, but everywhere, and they have to play up. And, uh, you know, we talk about it a lot, and, you know, people don't realize you play the 15 players and the other team has 25 players, that, that's a big discrepancy. Now, the 25-player team, player team, wouldn't make it near as big as if they were playing against somebody with 35. And then they're going to say, oh, my gosh, well, they got 10 more players than us. I mean, it's sort of, you know, it's a double-edged sword. If you're that 25-team uh, deal, you're up there where you're, at the, you're playing that many players below you, you're at the top, and um, it's it's sort of a mixed emotions kind of thing, I guess. But uh, one thing that we, uh, we went back to that this year, and uh, we're going to have two divisions, 22 and under and 23 and above. And uh, I'm hoping that helps out with a lot of the parity and um, some of these big teams, even though the parity was right last year, but some of these bigger teams. Um, but within one of those rules, uh, going back to, to the Iron Woman, as we changed the rule of uh, no kickoffs, uh, if you're in the Iron Woman division. Now, you as a player, you as a coach of men and women, give give us your opinion on this no kickoff situation. Uh, well, I, I like it. Uh, actually, I love it, and I think at the, at the Iron Woman uh, level, it is um, uh, it, it's just one of those those unsung factors that's going to make a huge difference, um, as opposed to having to you know put individuals out there on the special teams for one who don't even, uh, don't even belong out there on special teams for whatever reason. Um, and I think it, it, it's going to keep down on injuries. Uh, and I also think, uh, you know, we, we talked about it earlier today a little bit, uh, and we've talked about it in the past. Uh, most of the kickoffs uh, that we have been seeing uh, in, in our league, at least, um, you know, I've, I think you said you only saw, seen one maybe all year ran back and, you know, you're kicking the ball nine times out of ten. You're kicking the ball out of bounds. They're getting the ball at the 40, or you're onside kicking it anyway. So, and I, I think it it's going to help in letting defenses um, uh, play more defense on a longer field in such a short field. So, I, I love the rule. I'm in favor of it. Um, I think it's 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 you know it it's going to uh, probably limit some, some big teams that they maybe have to play down uh, when they play an Iron Woman uh, team, um, take away their strength, so to speak. But uh, I, I, think it's, um, I think it's a rule that is uh, it, it's, it's definitely worth having, especially when you're only at 22, 23 roster. Uh, you know, you're having to put uh, people in place or that, that either have never played it before or when you have injuries and you're limited. So I think it's a, I think it's a really good move. Uh, and I'm totally in favor of it. Right. Well, you know, I, I, I was talking at the meeting the other day, and, uh, you know, when I explained this, and, I mean, it was something that nobody even knew until uh, we got over there that was going to happen, is, is I actually seen 15 women's, um, well, I guess be considered an all-star game, to 16 women's football games. So, really, 15, because we took the kickoff out of that game. But I've seen 16 games, and they had kickoffs in 15 of them. 
15 of those games, I only seen one kickoff return. Now, that came at the end of the game when when a team had already beaten another team. I mean, it was the score was like 30, 33 to nothing or something or 30 to nothing. I'm not sure. Um, it was a close game for a half, like 14 nothing half. And second half, they opened it up. The other team turned the ball over. Anyway, late in the late in the third or fourth, early fourth quarter, um, they kicked off. They got a lot of backups in there. The other team actually run one back. All year long, of all the teams I've seen play, that's the only kickoff return um, I've seen. In, in all the games that I watched. Now, when when I watched watched those games, uh, first first thing is uh, people don't need to realize that. And I'm not I don't want to categorize however you say that word. I don't want to uh, make anybody think I'm speaking bad about them or nothing else. But listen, there's some college teams have trouble with their kicker reaching the end zone. Uh, most definitely in high school, there's hardly any kids reached in zone. With us playing high school rules, there's I've only seen, um, and honestly, in in five years of me being a part of six, I guess years, me being a part of women's football, I've only seen um, three, maybe four touchbacks. And in that case, it's just where the ball hit and had a good roll going forward and rolled into the end zone. So in all those games I've seen, only three or four touchbacks. Most of the balls um, land around the 25 or the 30-yard line, if you're lucky. And then they'll return it up to about the 35 or the 40 most of the time. So people, you know, way of thinking, and even me and you talk about it a lot, you know, is, uh, man, you think we might want to kick it deep here and this, that, and other. And it's the type of situation you got the wrong personnel in there, and um, you, you sort of just onside it, hoping to take a chance on getting it. And if you don't, and, and a lot of the other teams, they do the same thing, uh, and the kicks are short, and you're close to it, everybody, you're within 10 yards of midfield either way. Of, of getting this ball, kickoff return, and all that. So, you know, I, I in the two years that we've had an all-star game, we've taken the kickoff out of that all-star game. And those two games, I know they're all-star games, and I know they don't get a lot of practice, and there's a lot of people say with this and that. But I'm going to tell you what, in two all-star games, they've been a bunch of really good players, a bunch of different players each year. Um and they have been awesome games. And the best thing is the teams are taking the ball to 25, and they have to drive the length of the field. Uh, why not put team strength on the field and make it a better game than that being their offense and defense versus a team that doesn't have very many players on their roster trying to play on a special team that have no right? So for, me, for us personally, it was a no-brainer to, to go to this situation to to ensure that we have better football throughout this Iron Woman division. And for all the people that don't like it or doubt it or whatever, 
the the NFL and all these other people are trying everyone in the world to figure out to keep from having more injuries and that kind of stuff. And they have a lot of players. Um, so from a safety from a safety issue, you know, everybody that I talk to, the main concern in, in women's football is safety, safety, safety. Because these girls have jobs and families, and they don't get supplemented, they don't get paid, they have to go back to their environment. And fatigue sets in, and safety um, is one of them. And and that's why we, that's one, that was the final decision for us to go to it in this Iron Woman. And uh, I I think it's going to be a, a great thing. Well, look, we we talk extensively about a lot of things, and and uh, one of our things we talk to about is if you have a roster that is pushing forty, maybe even fifty players, and we talk about how that really benefits a team uh, in practice, and it also benefits you on in, on game day when you can sub in eleven for eleven, um, but. You know, it, it is. I, I like the I like the fact that you know, with if you're having a roster of 53, let's just say 53, and you're like we talked earlier about how how many players on average a team may have that has that many individuals on their roster, and they're they're pushing 25, 26, 30 players at practice, uh, then that becomes that becomes something that they can actually uh, do uh, on a regular basis in practice, something they can regularly do uh, in a game. Uh, and they have designated players for it. Now, when you're having a, a roster of 22, you know, uh, and you're maybe pushing 17 players uh, at practice on a, on a norm, uh, then, you know, it becomes difficult to practice. It becomes difficult to put in scenarios and practice and, 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 and get ready for a game. Uh, so to eliminate it completely to where now you have rosters of 22 uh, in the Iron Woman to focus more and practice on their offense and their defense – I just think it is it is a it's a, like you say it's a no brainer. I think it's better. Uh, and you know, listen, if if teams want that, uh, then like you say, hey, you know, let's say get more players and move up. Uh, it, it's as simple as that. But again, I I, I think that this is definitely something that's really going to benefit the Iron Woman football. Yeah. Well, the the main thing is <laughs> the reason most teams are out on because they can't get the players, and that's the the whole scenario, and I know there's, you know, we're going to probably take flat from it from a lot of people, especially the bigger teams and the bigger leagues and this, that, and other, but the fact of the matter is, is there is more Division three teams. Now, when I say Division three, we're going to use the WFA standards of 25 and under. There are more Division three teams across the U.S. and the Canada team that plays in the league than they all the other two divisions combined. And so it's 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 not the fact that people are. are Cutting players, or, or you know, or trying to stay in that division, it's just the fact that they can't get the players, or they don't have the have the rosters. It's why they're our moment. I would think that if you wholeheartedly ask any owner or any head coach of a team, you know, hey, would you rather have 22 and play an Iron Woman, or would you rather have 30 and play up? And I, I'm gonna tell you, if if there's uh, serious they're going to say 30 and play up because it gives them an opportunity, first of all, to pick their 11 or more. 
and then it gives them an opportunity by only getting the 75 and 80 percent of the roster to practice at least to line up and run scenarios and run 11 on 11. I mean, you can scrimmage every day if you so choose in practice versus these other teams, um, we, we don't see that. Now, even – now, there's great players. Don't get me wrong. There's great players in the Iron Woman and Division Three um, teams. And anybody thinks they're not, there is. And the, the offensive player, uh, one of the offensive players of the year in the WFA, came from the Arkansas Wildcats, which I think last year they played with 13. This year they may have 15 or 16. So, so there's great players in those, uh, within those teams, in those divisions. It's just that, you know, some big market teams, you're just never going to get those numbers. Um, and I just think for for our league, um, for I watched, when I watch these games, and I go to these games, and I'm evaluating them, and, you know, and I, I talked to some of the owners about it, and some of them, you know, liked it. Some had mixed feelings. But the bottom line was every time that we watch a kickoff, you almost have an injury on um, I mean, even in pros, and especially women. And most of the time, what I've seen, I'm just saying from what I've seen, I did not see a bunch of uh, teams with 65 on the roster playing one another. But mostly what I've seen is you have injuries because you have personnel out there that shouldn't be out there that really don't even know what's going on Really, not what uh, is a, they're not aware of what's around them, and then players taking advantage of that situation and laying them out or are doing different things. And if we want to talk about safety, and you know, I guess it's whoever you talk to, some are going to say it's about safety, 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 and then some are are going to say, well, it don't really matter, and blah blah blah. But if we're going to talk about safety and what's best for for these girls and women and all that, uh, I firmly believe that this is one of the best things that we could could go to. Now, um, with that being said, with I, I believe, and I don't want nobody to exactly quote me on this. I'd have to look at my notes. But the, uh, within the second quarter, I think if you're down by 14 or more, and you have the ball with two minutes to go, you can choose to onside kick. At that point, you can only choose to onside kick. And these are going to be rules written up that people need to get the rest. And if all of a sudden you say, oh, I ain't, well, I'm going to kick it deep, surprise me, go get it. No, that, that's not going to work. We're giving you a scenario to, to get an opportunity, a chance to get back in the game. Uh, when, you know, some people say, well, I'm onside every time to take a chance. Well, here's the deal. This, we're giving you an opportunity if you're down by 14 or more to um, take, take a chance to get the ball back and score. Then, at the end of the game, within 90 seconds or less, that's a minute and a half, if you're down by eight, eight or more, you can onside kick your tent. And, again, only – Onside, you can't kick it deep. It's an onside situation. Um, so at that point, if uh, you know you get it, that will give you an opportunity to drive 
Um, if you uh, would get a two-point conversion, drive the game, it, it gives an opportunity. So for those people who say, oh, well, you're taking all of our opportunities away and all that, we've come up with the scenario that, um, you know, to, to keep, you know, some people say, well, that's how I stay in the game. And so we're still giving you somewhat of an opportunity to, to stay in that game um, and uh, with those two scenarios. So I, I think that I think it's going to work out pretty good. Yeah, I mean, it's uh, it's, a, it's a no-brainer. And I, I think that, you know, anybody that's arguing it uh, needs to really first and foremost think about the safety of players at the level of the Iron Woman when you're only pushing the 22 roster. Um, and that's that's really all I got to say about it. Yeah, I, I just think, I think it's going to be um, a great. Now, you know, a lot of it is, uh, you know, one thing that we have, and you know yourself well as I do, is a lot of these teams, you know, you tell them that, and it's just like, oh, okay, you know. And then when it comes time, they don't really, um, you know, talk with these refs and, and you know, inform uh, these refs of like the overtime rules and you know our we we've got the overtime rule of, of our our overtime rule basically is the only thing we take from college rules is 25 um, in because you've seen last year uh, we played in one overtime game and then uh, it was a scenario then they go to different state and the same team that played us in overtime playing in overtime again, it's a totally different thing, and it becomes an ordeal. So we went to the deal that, you know, we're going to start at 25. Now, it's going to be the, especially the home team's responsibility to, uh, you know, to have this paper that uh, we put in an email to them to take out there to the ref, say, we play by high school rules, there's only exemption, you know, the numbers are exempted. You can wear any number to play any position. Um, we Here's our kickoff rule. Here's our overtime rule. And these are the only time, you know, any, anything changes. And, you know, we're doing this to solidify um, everything from being different, you know, because some teams think, well, man, I like the 25 rule, and some of them, well, I like the 10, 10 yard rule, and, well, man, that team's got an advantage and blah, blah, blah. So, look, we're going with one. Uh, whether it suits you or don't suit you, it's the same for everybody. Um, and and that's what we went with there. So, you know, not a whole lot of uh, rule changes. I'm not trying to um, get in there and, and just trying to change the game. I'm just trying I'm just trying to change uh change up a few things to to make these games better. And uh, I, I think that, that and those those couple uh rule things with this kickoff will uh, will really make it better. Um so I'm looking forward to the uh, to see how how it plays out as the year goes on. Um uh Mark Kills we watch. I know you got to watch more college football than I than I have. Um, tell us who who, in your opinion, is uh, really looking good, and who ain't looking so good, and uh, you got some of those scores and stuff. Well, uh, listen. Uh, anybody that's been watching college football, uh, if you have not watched Alabama play, you're missing uh, the cream of the crop. They're untouchable. 
Uh, I don't think there's a team that's in in uh, in college football, uh, including anybody in the top five. Uh, they have destroyed the last two uh, teams. Uh, although they did just beat Arkansas State 57 to seven, but it was it, it was just it wasn't even a contest. But prior to that, uh, they had to play um, uh, in week one Alabama when they when they traveled and played in the neutral zone, uh, neutral site. Um, and they played Louisville uh, and pretty much made Louisville look like they were just non-existent, uh, beating them 51-14. to 14. So right now, clear-cut clear cut favorite Alabama, without a doubt, looks to me like they are on track to win another national championship uh, behind Nick Saban and his uh, remarkable um, uh, recruiting skills. Um, it, I, I just—it's just unreal, man, to see what uh, what they're doing in Alabama. Hey, well, tell me, tell me this. I did get to watch not all of it, but part of the Clemson uh, Texas A&M game. Did you get to watch any of that? I did. I watched the Clemson and uh, Clemson and A&M. Uh, that game uh, was a was a. I'm not going to say a barn burner, but it was a pretty good game. 28-26 uh, to 26 was the final. Uh, for Clemson to go into Texas A&M, the home of the 12th man, and perform like they did behind their quarterback, Bryant, uh, who, uh, which, by the way, now Clemson also has a quarterback uh, controversy. They have a true freshman out there, and he can, he can flat out throw that ball. Um, he's more of a pocket passer. But Brian is more of a you know more of a uh, you know get out the pocket if he needs to and and, and run for it. But uh, Clemson was on the ropes, um, but they squeaked it out. Uh, and again, I, I, as good as Clemson is right now, is going into Texas A&M and beating them. I still say Alabama beats them uh, fairly easily. I, I really believe that. Uh, but yeah, Clemson. I mean, their defense was remarkable. They had some turnovers. Um, they they were in the game. I think their quarterback he ended up Brian ended up passing for 205 yards. Uh, he only had one touchdown. Um, but you know, other than that, uh, and you look for uh, K Mound, who uh, is their quarterback for Texas A&M. He ended up throwing them for 430 yards uh, with three TDs, and they still lost. So well, don't um, you don't you think though? With I mean, I watched. I don't know that we how much of the game we watched, but we watched the end of it. And first of all, first of, first and foremost, I don't care what anybody says. Texas A&M got hosed on two big plays. One was clearly uh, what was led to a Clemson touchdown uh, drive. Clearly, the receiver shoved the guy down, and they got away with the no call. Um, then when the Texas A&M guy fumbled the ball, and they called that a uh, touchback. That is just terrible. That guy, that guy was nowhere near uh, the end zone when when uh, he fumbled that ball out. They clearly showed that he was out of bounds. Um, now I'm not saying that that Clemson wasn't the one. I'm not saying that Texas A&M was the better team. I'm just saying that they clearly uh, played them almost mano to mano. And those couple of calls really uh, was in Clemson's favor. Well, you know, I, I'll tell you, I, watching the game, uh, aside from calls, aside from what happened as far as referees making bad calls or, or good calls or have not, Texas A&M played a heck of a football game. 
They, and I'm telling you that the coach that they got, okay, from Florida State, is he has got them boys playing football for the name across their chest, and they are playing for each other, uh, and they certainly should have won the game. Um, but, you know, it was, it was really nice to see. Uh, yeah, that's why I like college football so much. It's nice to see them boys out there playing for what's the, the school that's on their chest. And uh, Jimbo Fisher's got them boys playing. Um, uh, you know, and, and I'm telling you, though, they if not this year, next year, and maybe in the year after, they're, you're looking that they're in the top 25, top five football team looking to push for a national championship. Yeah, you know, I heard Nick Saban uh, say that Jimbo Fisher was the best play caller he had ever seen, period. Um, now, that to me is saying a lot. I mean, the coaches that, you know, Nick's had come through there and leave, and, and we know what all situation is, and Dabo was on that staff and whatnot and all. Um, I, I know that uh, – that he's a good, both of them are good. As a matter of fact, Dabo Swing is one of my uh, favorite college coaches, the way he, he approaches things. And, you know, then just that, I told Jennifer, part of the interview I heard him, you know, say is uh, before the game, he, they said, hey, uh, you know, tell us about your quarterback controversy and, you know, how you're playing. He said, look, there's, there's really not, um, I, there's not a front runner. It's a quarterback, um, you know, job. It's up for grabs. And if the freshman, can beat out the senior to take the job, and so be it. I'm, I'm all about winning. I want to win the game, and whatever that is, is what it is. And uh, you know, I, I like that. I like that guy's attitude. Um, hey, it was a heck of a game, man. Uh, two great coaches. Um, I don't know, if, you know, how much different the game is. It's in Clemson or on a neutral side, but man, that was a heck of a college football game. And I believe. Um, Ohio State, they're, they're number three, if I'm not mistaken. I haven't got to watch them play much, but uh, what what are they looking like? Well, Ohio State played the Rutgers on Saturday, and they beat the Rutgers 52-3. to Not not so much of a big surprise there. Um, but, uh, you know, Ohio State's one of those teams that uh, it seems like every year we're talking about them probably playing – getting into a playoff and playing – uh, for a national championship, and somewhere along the line, they lose a game they're supposed to win, and uh, so I don't know. I don't know if I'm sold on uh, Ohio State. Um, I think Ohio State again is Ohio. State. Last week they played Oregon State, and they beat them 77 to 31. Um, so their first two games, they got a total of 77, and then last week or Saturday they played, and they score another 52 points. Again, though, Oregon State and the Rutgers. I'm going to be sold on them more so when you start to see them play Michigan, Michigan State, um, and, and, how, and how things will go once they get into conference play. Because somewhere along the line, I do believe that they'll end up losing a game that they should win. Um, unless, unless something happens, you know, they got the controversy with their coach, and, um, you know, maybe they're playing for him. Maybe they're inspired playing inspired football. I don't know. But I just look for them every year that they're going to lose that game that they should win. Right. Well, I don't, like I said, I don't know a whole lot that's going on. I have to watch much, but um, I'm not even sure what other teams uh, out there are uh, are really looking good and uh, and maybe challenging for the top ten um, in football. I know 
the first week, LSU looked pretty good against uh, Miami. Against uh, Miami. No, yeah, I'm not sure what happened. Uh, Florida State, I know, lost the first game. Did they get beat by Sanford again uh, this past Saturday? You know what? I I don't I don't I didn't watch that game at all at all. Um, I knew it was Sanford well, they, they were playing, but I'm not sure. If they, yeah, Sanford. They were they were trailing late in the game. I'm not sure if they if they had lost or not. Um, I think Jimbo Fisher seen something, you know, on the wall is is part of the reason of his uh, departure from there to uh, Texas A&M. Um, but I, like I said, I I don't know. I know a lot of these powerhouse schools. Um, I heard yesterday. I did hear as I'm coming through Florida uh, up to Jacksonville. I heard them. Um, I found a, a radio station, sports radio station, and they were talking about the Jaguars and the uh, and, uh, University of Florida, and they were just wearing the University of Florida out for getting beat by, by Kentucky and talking about, you know, how far down the list that their talent level has slid. Like they, they said in the SEC, there's 14 teams, and they put them around 12th or 13th. Is how far they slid down, and at once upon a time they were in the top two or three um, in the SEC. So there's a lot of big, um, high-powered schools that have been uh, good for a lot of years that are not so good anymore. At least on even uh, even ground with a lot of other teams. Well, let's let's not forget now, Florida. Right now is what our lads of last week was ranked 25th in the nation. They're in the bottom half of the SEC. Now you can equate that to uh, recruiting or suspensions or whatever it is that's going on with Florida. But if Kentucky was going to have a chance to win against Florida, it was going to be this year. They went to the swamp and they handled their business and they ended up winning 27 to 16. And you're right. This may be maybe a tipping point now. Maybe Kentucky is starting to 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 roar their flex their muscles a little bit in the SEC. Uh, but again, if disappointment for Florida. They're definitely as of today or yesterday, they're out of the top 25. Um, but you know who else I'm impressed with is Arizona State. Now Arizona State's two and zero. They beat Michigan State, uh, 16 to 13. And um, you know. Arizona State's looking pretty tough. Now, I know that their conference in the Pac-12 isn't the greatest uh, this year, but, uh, you know, to beat a Michigan State team who was ranked 15th uh, as of Saturday, uh, I think that's a heck of an accomplishment. Right. And now, Oklahoma, they, they're probably up there pretty high as well, ain't they? They, they look like they're on a, on a pretty good roll also. Yeah, Oklahoma is – listen, they have – I think whoever they were looking to replace um, uh, their Heisman Trophy quarterback from last year, I think they found them. They ended up winning. They beat USC, uh, UCLA 49-21. to 21. Uh, They're the sixth-ranked team now, and they're probably up. I haven't, I haven't seen the current rankings. Uh, current rankings uh, has uh, Oklahoma at fifth. So Alabama, Clemson, Georgia, Ohio State, Oklahoma round out the top five with Wisconsin having a vote, a vote to get in the top five. Uh, so all of those teams are at 2-0. Oh. Um, so, you know, Georgia – or not Georgia, but uh, Oklahoma is um, – you know, they're looking, they're looking pretty stout. And I think it's um, – uh, if they're – you know, I think they, got, they can do a lot there uh, um, in winning their conference and maybe even getting in that playoff. 
Right. Well, you know, used to years ago, football, um, football's changed so much. Um, I mean, I know Alabama has always been pretty good. The Florida, um, Ohio State, those those teams have always Michigan. For they've always been pretty good, but for the most part, you know, most for it seemed like forever that. Every year there was there was real dominance of these teams um, from out west, and uh, you know you just named off the top five, and there's only one team um, that's from out west, and that was uh, Oklahoma. The rest of these teams are uh, you know here in the East Coast, and uh, that like I said, I know they've always been some teams that you know had some um, had some good. The, had some good teams from uh, the East, but it's really seemed like it, you know, that it's really turned the corner that the truly dominant, better teams, there's more of them here on the East Coast uh, than there is the West Coast anymore. Yeah, I remember certainly when I was growing up, uh, USC uh, out there in the West, and you had UCLA and, you know, even Texas, and but now it just seems like for whatever reason, um, the recruitment, and it's probably a testament to these college coaches that are out here in the East uh, bringing, uh, you know, the, they, they got the right guy in the right places. You know, they got Nick Saban. You know, you, you got the, the right type of guy uh, uh, in, in the East that is recruiting these individuals from all over the country. Uh, so, um, you know, I think that's probably, again, a tribute to the coaches more so and, and the winning, you know, the people want to win. Players want to win. Uh, very rarely nowadays do you see anybody wanting to play for a school because it was always their childhood dream. Um, you know, hey, I want to go play for Alabama because Alabama's winning national championships. And oh, by the way, I'm from Oregon. So you know, I, I think that's the turn of the, the turn of the tide. It's a sign of the times. Yeah, I can remember back in the day that you know when Nebraska uh, was a powerhouse. You know, they had Mike Rozier and um, Tom Osborne and the, and the quarterback then. I think it's actually or was on the staff now um, or uh, Robinson maybe was his name. Um, anyway, you know I can remember when they were like a top five team. You know, all the time um, them, and then you take like Miami. You know, remember the. You know, against the the Miami, against the uh, Notre Dame. You know, look at Notre Dame. They used to be dominant. I mean, most uh, I don't know very many people like Notre Dame. Period. But they used to be so dominant. And and all these teams, Texas, USC, uh, UCLA, um, Oregon when Chip Kelly was there, uh, Nebraska, uh, Michigan. You know. All those teams that used to be Miami used to be so dominant. Florida State's another one. They've sort of, you know, a lot of them, I guess, they're winning a lot of games. But the dominance of year in and year out by those teams are are over. And, uh, you know, you keep mentioning every year, even though Georgia um, had a down year. So, Georgia, Alabama, uh, Clemson. Uh, uh, Ohio State, Oklahoma. We're mentioning those teams every single year, it seems, and and almost certainly this playoff of four, those teams keep reoccurring in that the last several years, uh, no doubt. Yeah, and, and it's 
and eventually, I think, you know, who knows how long it'll take. Uh, but, you know, in, in, in a few years, we might see it just revert back to maybe UCLA. But, again, I think it's all about who is getting that in head coaching position. Florida State has a head coach that I've never heard of, and I think they're 0-2. And this is, like, for the first time in a long time. Uh, they're losing games they should win. Um, they just don't look like a team that should be playing uh, you know, for a national championship. They just, I mean, they just don't look like a team that should be out there. Uh, and in my opinion, I, I don't know what's going on in their practices. I don't know what's going on with the head coach situation. But in my opinion, that is definitely not a Florida State team that uh, anybody uh, should be uh, should be rooting for. And I'll tell you, Burt Reynolds is probably rolling over his grave the way they're playing because they, they have definitely uh, slacked on that for the last, you know, last couple of years. I mean, Jimbo Fisher leaving was a huge blow to that uh, to that program. Yeah, no doubt. You know, this is one thing. I, I would dare say, now I know that Ohio State put up huge numbers, um, and, and some of these teams have. But one thing I'm going to say about the top five teams is I would almost bet you that those top five teams right now, they're in the top I'm going to say the top seven at least in defense uh, throughout the country. Because I think I think I heard I heard this the other day, and it and it really was um, it was the truth. Two teams from uh, the Big Twelve were playing, and uh, one of them was down by like 21 points in the mid third quarter. And they said, "Hey, with the way they play out here, uh, this style of football, no defense." That's nothing for these teams. Uh, and I think now um, that you got Nick Saban and you got, uh, you know, Nick Saban, all these coaches that have coached under Nick Saban and all that, uh, head coaching these teams, these guys are playing defense. You know, they're they're actually uh, work on defense more, uh, I don't like say more than offense, but they really take pride and not putting up as many points and holding you to less points. And I think that is the number one uh, thing is why this dominance has has turned the corner. Well, you know, Nick Saban, let's not forget. Now, Nick Saban didn't just walk off the street out of a high school to, to coach college football, okay? He was in the NFL. He's with the Cleveland Browns. He was under Bill Belichick. I mean, this the, he knows these guys, and he knows what the next level is required, uh, what is required of you to perform in the next level. So he takes everything he learns. He comes down to LSU, and then he comes – I mean, he's bounced around, but he's found a home in Alabama. He has a coaching, uh, coaching tree that is sprouting like wildfire, and every one of those coaches are learning from him, and it's just trickling down. That, that, that is, that is the, that's the soul behind Nick Saban. He has learned from the very best, and now he's become the very best in college football. And these, you know, he's 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 having his little um, his his birds. They're they're flying. That he's letting them under their wing, uh, letting them from under the wing, and they are just they're they're dominating as far as uh, the style of football that should be played. Yeah, I think I think so. I think you're you know I think you're exactly right, and uh, um, that's one thing. Um, you know, people don't understand is, is under that Paul Brown uh, coaching tree from, from all those guys, is, is every one of them seem to be just unbelievable if you name all those names. Um, speak, 
speaking of uh, the Paul Brown and, and going back to, uh, let's go to NFL teams. Um, and I know this this really um, hurts you if you've been a Cowboys fan and all, but I know that for a fact that we watched, um, I not me and you, but me and Jennifer watched some NFL preseason games. And the Cowboys, the Detroit Lions, the Buffalo Bills, and there was another team, Arizona, I believe, um, that really looked terrible. And I'm telling you, their performance uh, on on this opening weekend in NFL was was tragic. Well, listen, uh, it pains me to, to talk about them, but I, I'm going to remain a Cowboys fan. Uh, I, I know I mentioned to you about go Cleveland because right now Cleveland has a better record than the Dallas Cowboys. Um, they haven't lost a game this year. Although it is week one, but still it is what it is. But every year it seems like the Cowboys do something in preseason, uh, like go uh, winless, but then at least put together, you know, a stretch of wins right off the bat of the season to where, okay, that would preseason look like it, it served its purpose. Not so much, man. I, I, I tell you, I, I was so disappointed uh, Dak Prescott was uh, 19 of 29 for 170 yards. Uh, Ezekiel Elliott was 15 carries for 69 yards and one touchdown. Ezekiel Elliott, somebody who didn't play 60% of the dang on season last year, comes back and he only rushes for 69 yards and one touchdown. To me, that's, that, you can't do that. And then you have Cole Beasley reception. He's got seven receptions, 73 yards. I mean, you have all season at the professional level, all off season, and this is the product that you put on the field. I, I just, if I was Jerry Jones, I would be rethinking my deal with Jason Garrett. Uh, and I, you know, I, I just, it's 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 mind blowing to me. Uh, we as coaches that volunteer take so much pride and to make sure that we get it right. Why is somebody in the NFL who's getting paid millions and millions of dollars not taking the same approach? It's mind-boggling, and I'm fed up with it as a Cowboys fan. But I'm still going to love them because that's just what I do. I'll stick by them. But I'm going to talk trash about them because they are my team. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, you know what? That, hey, that part of being a fan is is you should be uh, ups and down. Well, you know, I've made this statement several times, maybe not to you, and but I, I but I certainly do believe it. I think Jason Garrett, might be, honestly, I have nothing personal against the man, but I think he might be the worst head coach that's remained in his job and made all this money all these years. He may be the worst head coach in the NFL right now. Um, it's, it's just like he, don't, he doesn't have any control of anything. Um, when when I watch those uh, all, all or nothings in the NFL, the Cowboys, Man, here's his approach, and I don't know. I, I just wasn't impressed. And, uh, you know, the Cowboys have been, you know, one of the historic teams from from day one back in the Tom Landry eras to the Jimmy Johnsons to the Murray Switchers and, and, you know, all the stuff that's happened. And, and I've got some family members that are, oh, my Lord, you mentioned the Cowboys in a bad way and you're in a fight. Um, it, it's painful to watch these these great teams like that, um, you know, you see every year uh, that they, Jim and John, uh, Jerry Jones wants to win so bad 
but yet they can't put the product out there. Um, you know, I think I think that some of these teams just get so wound up that, you know, on certain players, we can win with these players. We can win with these players. And listen, you, if it don't happen within a year or two, hey, it's time to, time to roll on. And that's the one thing about women's football that, you know, we pretty much don't have any control over is we don't get that opportunity. But when you get an opportunity to draft people you want, to trade for people you want, pick them up off free agency, everybody in the NFL is getting paid and getting paid dearly. There is no sense in these teams like the Cowboys, like the Detroit Lions, um, like the Buffalo Bills, the Arizona Cardinals, there is no sense in them getting blew out of these games like they did. And and it and it's not it's not necessarily that they're getting blown out because of the players they have sometimes. It's because of the awful call, awful play calling, awful defensive packages that they're putting out there. Um you know, and I'm with you. Listen, Jason Garrett probably is the best clapper in all of NFL because every time I look at him, he is clapping. Whether or not they've, they've given up a touchdown or scored a touchdown, he's out there clapping. And I'm telling you, I'm, as a fan, I just want to chop his hands off because I'm getting sick of it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm laughing. That. That's funny. Uh, it, it, I mean, to me, but I'll now, be honest, to me, it's, it's sad. Well, now, we talked earlier about coaches, and uh, we talked about uh, the Raiders coach and uh, Mr. Gruden, okay? Uh, Now, he's supposed to be the savior out there uh, for the Raiders. And then his team comes out there, and they they lose a game to the Rams, 33-13. But you know what's interesting is I want to talk a little bit about what we talked about on the phone, about his winning percentage, that is Gruden's winning percentage, and he's getting paid a hundred. What'd you say? A hundred million dollars to coach this team? Yep, a hundred million. And his and his winning percentage is what are we at? Thirty-two percent. As a coach, it's in the three. The it's in, it, yeah, it's in the three something range. I I never knew that. I couldn't believe it. I I actually was eating supper late last night in Emporia, Virginia, and uh, the game was on. Is the only reason I knew about it. Uh, and I was watching it, and it was actually tied at twenty at uh, seventeen. I'm sorry, and uh, they flashed up his winning percentage, and I—I I mean, I like to choked on my food. I said, "Are you kidding me? I did not know that his winning percentage was that terrible. It is below four, and the, you know, like three sixty-two or something. And you—you—you're making a hundred million dollars in NFL." With a with a record like that, I mean he's won once what one Super Bowl right, and that was with Tampa Bay. Yeah, but you know most people claim that that was Tony Dungy's team. He built that, and, and, and they. I would agree with him. I would think Tony Dun- Yes, I would think that I would I would agree with that, and it's just like with Barry Switzer becoming a Cowboys coach. He's taken over a Jimmy Johnson's football team. I mean, but you know, listen. A ring is a ring. Either way, you got to coach it through the year. But what is staggering to me is a hundred million dollars for a guy who is, uh, I guess, everybody in the NFL, or not everybody, but at least the Raiders think that this guy is close to Jesus and can walk on water. 
but yet you're at a three what a three six a three thirty six or whatever winning percentage, and you're getting paid a hundred million dollars. And in your first game, you can only put up thirteen points. I, I just to me that's just that's that's crazy. And then you gave up thirty three points to boot. I, I again, you know, yeah, much like well, the Jason well, Garrett man. If I was a Raiders fan, I'd be upset. <laughs> Well, just think about this, Mike. If you think about, um, I think he won two division titles and and one Super Bowl. All right, in his wins. Now, if I'm not mistaken, he had 72 or 77 wins. I can't remember. Now, just think in that Super Bowl run that the Tampa Bay team at least won 12 games and maybe more. You take that off the off his record. And, I mean, it really falls down there. So, if you talk about teams that were actually uh, his, you know, I mean, everybody claims that that's done. You know, Dungey built that team to win a Super Bowl, and they got John Gruden. Um, and uh, so, you take those wins off, and, man, that percentage really falls down. And, you know, that, that Tampa Bay team had one of probably, and it's debatable, one of the best NFL uh, defenses in the NFL ever, um, you know, with the likes of, you know, the defense that they had out there. So, you know, again, Tony Dungy did build that team, um, and there wasn't a lot of people that were following Gruden to play out there. Um, but, you know, when you got Brooks and Sapp out there on your defense, I mean, that's what they're going to make you look really good anyway. Um, how about uh, St- uh, Stratford and uh, the Lions? Did you watch any of that game? I did not, but the Jennifer was keeping me updated and uh, said that he threw at least four or maybe five interceptions. Matthew Stratford, he was 26 of 46. He had 286 yards, one touchdown, four interceptions. And they got routed by the Giants, or the Jets, 48 to 17. And this wasn't in the Jets. This was in Detroit. Yeah, you know what? I'm a I'm a fan of that Matt Patricia guy. Uh, I thought he was, did a good job at New England, but I, but I'm gonna tell you and and listen, you're taking over a team that was uh, better than 500 last year. Um, you're taking over um, organizations that have. I mean, uh, the quarterback, their quarterback is is getting paid an ungodly amount. I mean, he's like the third highest paid quarterback or something in the NFL. He, he at one point, was yeah. the highest paid player. Yeah. So, you're, there's there's a lot that people are expecting from from him and them. Um, I, I'm thinking that, uh, you know, that they better get it together. And I know I told Jim for that today, that guy's you know, they're going to run him out. He said, well, my gosh, just his first year. But look, when you take over a, a team that uh, has that kind of payroll, that has been winning, now, I mean, look, 500 in the NFL, uh, I mean, I guess is is, is okay. I, mean, I don't know how a lot of people judge it, but you're playing 500 football or, or a little better, 9-7 or whatever, and you've got a franchise quarterback and he's uh, – He's one of the highest-paid players in the NFL, and he's supposed to be your best player. And he goes out and, and look, I, I'm not a Stafford fan, 
Um, I, I'm just not, um, you know, he, he's notorious for throwing a lot of interceptions. And, um, you know, I pay, if I'm an NFL owner, here's all I'm going to say. If I'm an NFL owner and I'm paying you that kind of money, hey, we better be winning some serious games. You better be turning that four INTs into four touchdowns and one interception. Um, it should be a four-to-one ratio, not a one-to-four. Um, but, no, I don't know uh, the whole scenario of what went on. But I, I, I'm telling you this, that uh, they they better get it together up there in Detroit. Well, listen, I'm going to tell you, that, that Patrice guy, he was uh, the defensive coordinator for the uh, for the Patriots. Am I, is that right? Yep, that's correct. And he gave up 48 points, or his team on the defensive side gave 48 points up to a rookie quarterback in Sam Donaldson out of USC. I mean, listen, for the guy's debut, this guy comes out and throws 16 of 21 for 198 yards. Two touchdowns and one interceptions. Now you tell me who looks more of like the rookie, Sam Donaldson or, or Matthew Stafford. I mean, it's just I don't know. How do you do that your your very first game of the season? Uh, again, I, I go back to all off season. You work and you work and you work, and that's what you come up with. When you know they knew who they were playing the first day of training camp. This isn't like it just came up on them. They knew. And that's all they could muster up was 17 points, much like the Cowboys. It just you, you knew all off season who your first game was against, and this is what you drew up. Uh, I just again for somebody that's making millions and millions of dollars, I don't see how that happens. Hey, how, how about uh, we we know the Patriots? We talk about them every year. We talk about Tom Brady, but they mustered up a win, 27 to 20 over the Texans. But uh, you know this was a game that. It seems like every year, though, the Patriots start off slow uh, and they, they'll win close games. But to me, I still think uh, when you look at uh, uh, the Patriots, I think Tom Brady still right now is the top one, maybe the second best quarterback behind uh, Aaron Rodgers right now in the NFL. Uh, he threw uh, – he was 26 of 39, 277, and three touchdowns and one interception. Uh, but they, they squeak out a win, uh, and I just think that, uh, you know, the tradition there keeps on, and he's, he's showing that being the oldest quarterback uh, in the NFL history, I think he's getting it done, and I still look at the Patriots as the class of the ASC, and they're probably going to push their way some, somehow, some way, we're going to find them knocking on the door for the Super Bowl. Yeah, I don't, I don't doubt that. I mean, Bill, Bill, Jack. You know, I heard a thing. Speaking of the Patriots, uh, I must hold that thought in there. I want to go back to one thing, Ben. You talked about. You got to watch a lot more football than me. Was talking about the Browns. Um, you were talking about how good when we uh, had a, a tryout of how good the Browns were looking. You, you kept saying, "I know it's just preseason, but man, they're looking good." But when we go back, the four teams that looked terrible in preseason got smashed this weekend. So there's something to be said uh, about that play. I can remember uh, you saying, hey, man, I'm telling you, the Browns are looking good. The Browns are looking good. And and we're starting to see that. So uh, with these teams that are getting killed, they didn't look good in preseason. Um, I'll tell you, I heard a statement. Um, I heard this coming up when I was going down the road on Sunday night, I guess, when I was going to Tampa, um, I heard a, a sports radio guy come on there, and he, I didn't even know what he was talking about, but 
He said, if you're an NFL fan and every um, every game, every four games is what he said, every four games you go three and one, and at the end of the season you're going to be 12 and four. Uh, are you going to be happy with that? All right. Within that, he said, you're probably going to host, uh, either be the host throughout, you're definitely going to get a first-round buy, and either be the number one or number two seed on your side. Um, would you be happy with that? And, you know, of course, everybody's thinking, yeah. Well, what he was talking about was the New England Patriots, and I didn't really know what he was talking about or what he was saying, but it was, you know, along this line that everybody's saying, that, hey, the, the dominance and all this from New England over Tom Brady and Bill Belichick are not getting along. They're feuding. Things ain't going right between them. Uh, this, that, and other is just bad blood. And he said in their last four games, they're three and one. They beat two uh, playoff teams. They should have been their loss. They lost the Super Bowl, which this guy said. They should have won. Tom Brady was the player, the best player on the field. And the one loss, or, uh, or the other win, came, which was against the Texans, that have a team that say they have a quarterback that's the franchise player. So he said, to me, it doesn't look like New England's going anywhere. Um, and, you know, I think he's right. Everybody wants to jump the gun. I mean, listen, how, how long, and I know, uh, people hate New England, and, and I'm not a – and and all honesty, everybody thinks I am. I'm a Bill Belichick fan. I'm a Nick Saban fan. I love those guys, man. I love what they do and what they stand for. They just happen to coach those two teams, and I never have rooted for those two teams in my life. But, man, I root for those guys because I love the way they do things. How long has, has people been trying – um, to get them knocked off the top of this mountain, Mike. All, all you hear about is, oh, that's over, it's over. You know, I have close friends I've been friends with that claim they know a lot about football and everything. Alabama losing, you know, the, uh, the dominance from Nick Saban is over. Alabama dominance, it's over. They lose one game, man. It's over. I mean, listen, and it may be over. It may be over for, for New England. But one thing I can assure you of is tomorrow Bill Belichick nor Nick Saban are going to wake up and forget how to coach. I can assure you of that. And when you're at the top of the mountain that these guys are at, and whether they make it to the Super Bowl or not, I'll promise you this. If you win the Super Bowl, you're going to have to beat New England. Or if you go to the Super Bowl, you're going to have to meet New England to go. Yeah, you know, I don't know too many teams that lose a Super Bowl but then turn around and be like the favorite to win a Super Bowl in the next year. And that seems like what you get with the Patriots every year. You know, they may not even get to the Super Bowl, but for some reason they're the favorite to win the Super Bowl the next year. And that's because of Bill Pelichick and the organization that he runs and Tom Brady. Uh, so – Listen, we can hate them all you want. I'm not a Patriots fan, uh, and I like I said, I'm with you. I like Bill Belichick, but you know, there's got to be something said that you know. Listen, this team lost the Super Bowl last year that they should have won, but now they're the favorites to win it this year. I mean, I, I, listen, I, 
the, the, the guys out there in Las Vegas can't be wrong uh, all the time. And uh, they're certainly not right all the time. But uh, I think that they have it right when you talk about uh, any team coached by Bill Belichick. For as long as he's been there with the Patriots, they seem like they're always in the hunt uh, for a, a Super Bowl. And to me, that's just, uh, you know, that's just, it's unbelievable to think of how long it could possibly go. Um, you know who made a return to the NFL uh, out there in uh, Indianapolis was Andrew Luck. Uh, I got to tell you, man, Andrew Luck hasn't, he didn't play at all last year, right? He comes back and he throws for 319 yards. Now, listen, they lost 23 to 34 to the Cincinnati Bengals, but he threw for 39 for a 39 of 53 for 319 yards. They didn't seem like they were worried about his shoulder throwing 53 times. Uh, and he had two touchdowns and one interception and he didn't look like he was that rusty at all. Their defense is what gave up a lot of, uh, a lot of the plays, but um, you know, that's just a gutsy performance there by, by a guy that comes out uh, and doesn't play football for an entire year because of the surgery. And then he comes out, uh, and he throws 53 times. Uh, not only that, he was 39 of 53 for 319 yards. That's not a bad day in the office uh, for uh, missing a whole year. Yeah, I actually uh, I didn't hear part of the game, but I heard on that on that radio station. I, I told you I found that um, the Colts actually had a pretty good uh, lead in that game and, and give it up. Um, I mean, I, I myself have. Uh, you know, of course, the fact that they traded Peyton Manning and drafted Andrew Luck, I mean, I, I thought that was a bad situation. I thought they should have uh, kept Manning and, and, you know, let him play a couple more years there. I think they had um, the combination that they needed. Um, but the it's hard not to like the Andrew Luck. His work ethic is is down to earth ways. Now don't don't forget he gets paid lots and lots of money as well. Um, but I like the I just like the down to earth uh, demeanor of, of a lot of these guys versus um, the the opposite. You know they don't have to celebrate every time they make a play. Um, and Andrew Luck is certainly one of those guys. And I, I I'm I'm going to go out on the limb here, and I know people are probably going to crucify me. Um, if, if this guy stays healthy, and it's a big hit because Mike, you know, and I know everybody listening knows, you start getting hurt in the NFL, this seems like your career short-lived. But I'm going to tell you, in my honest opinion, that if this guy stays healthy, um, he, he's maybe the third or fourth uh, best quarterback in the NFL. Yeah, I mean, listen, they drafted him for that very reason. Listen, I I got it. You know, you trade Peyton Manning away uh, so you can draft this guy because he's going to be the second coming of Peyton Manning. Uh, And for a while, he looked like he was on that track. Uh, But now Peyton Manning suffered an injury. Of course, it was later in his career, uh, and he had to pretty much learn how to throw the football all over again. Uh, But it doesn't seem like that was the case so much with Andrew Luck. Uh, And if he can stay healthy, I think you're dead right. I think he is – he is on par to, to make some noise uh, when it comes to where he finishes in his career of where, where he's going to rank in quarterbacks. Uh, but he's certainly right now, uh, after week one, I think he's one of the top four uh, in the league as well. Speaking of injuries, let's talk a little bit about uh, Green Bay and the Chicago Bears. That was a game for the ages. Now, the Chicago Bears had this game 
they were at one point they were up. It was at a twenty point deficit. They had the uh, it was twenty to nothing was the actual was the actual score at one point. Uh, and in the second quarter, Aaron Rodgers his knee buckles. He goes down. He goes back to the locker room. The team comes out after the halftime without Aaron Rodgers. But then here comes Aaron Rodgers just before the game kicks off in the second half. He's limping out there doing his Willis Reed impersonation, and he leads this team all the way back to win the football game 24-23 to in Lambeau Field. Now, I just want to point out that before he got hurt, he wasn't having the best day. And in all honesty, when you look at how he finished, he finished 20 of 30 for 286 yards and three touchdowns. Now, that usually is what he throws in the first half alone. He came out, couldn't even stand on his leg, and he willed that team all the way back to win 24 to 23 in what I think I've seen in a long time, the most gutsiest play from anyone, uh, especially on the football field, from anyone uh, to, to lead and will his team back, as only Aaron Rodgers can do. Yeah, I, I, I didn't get to see the game. I heard about it, and uh, this same guy that uh, you know was telling me that I listened to about Tom Brady then, and already um, giving the Chicago Bears the win and talking about what Shining Khalil Mack did did for that division and all. Um, but in my my opinion, um, Aaron Rodgers is is the very best quarterback in the league, period. Um, and then Tom Brady, and then uh, from there, I, I'm not sure. I, I like I said, I would put Andrew Luck in the in the top three or four um, in that category. So, uh, but I heard it. Uh, Jennifer told me, you know, was telling me, keep me updated what's going on, and uh, um, she said it was a, you know. Game well, she said Aaron Rodgers came back out in that first drive. What they did, I said, "Hey man, it's it's game on." That guy's just a winner, man. And I look, I, he he's got a particular uh, personality and Aaron way about him. But that guy's a winner, man. Any way you want to cut it, that guy's certainly uh, a winner. So, uh, well, maybe you know, you know what I like. Come, huh? Go ahead. I, I just wanted to say uh, before uh, before you cut out, anybody that's listening and they're on the path of this hurricane coming through, uh, take heed to the warnings. Uh, if you are to uh, to evacuate, please do so. Uh, these hurricanes and this floodwaters are nothing to play with. Uh, I wish everybody the best. I'll be praying for everybody that's in this path. And, uh, and happy anniversary again to you, buddy. And uh, I hope if Jen's listening, happy anniversary. And uh, I'll be seeing you soon. All right, man. Hey, I appreciate that, and I appreciate you coming on and talking some uh, football of all kinds with us tonight, and uh, have, a, have a good night and rest of the week as well. All right. Thank you, bud. Uh, yes, sir. All right, folks. Coach Mike Wallace, head coach of the Tri-Cities Thunder, joining us. Uh, we, uh, we've been talking a lot of football. Um, he's been at home getting to watch a lot more than I have, and uh, um, he's, he's been up to date, and uh, he, he's about like me, just football crazy and, and watches it and uh, keeps up with it all the time. So I uh, appreciate him, him joining us. Um, one thing for sure, I want to thank uh, Ms. J.C. Hoff for uh, Sports Network for having us on and getting on there to come and talk about football of all kinds.
times and the things that we really like to to do. And uh, I want to wish her luck and find her a new house out there in the California area. And uh, like Coach Wallace said, hey, you know, if it's serious about where you live, uh, them evacuate, take the warnings, and uh, do as they say. Uh, you know, it's better to be safe than sorry. Um, I know it's it's rough probably to uh, have to pack up and, and leave, but listen, there's, there's people all over the world that have friends here and there and everywhere that I'm sure that would be glad to uh, let you come and stay with them. I actually uh, told the people we know in South Carolina, hey, you need somewhere to stay. Come on. So, uh, um, everybody, um, like I said, like he said, be sure and take it serious, take warning. Hey, let's not ever forget what happened on this day 17 um, years ago. And um, uh, it was a terrible tragedy. And, and uh, uh, you know, that's why we, we live here. It's the, the greatest country. And, uh, you know, we got people uh, that are now fighting for us to keep it that way. And again, I want to thank uh, and, uh, uh, everybody for listening and uh, tell June for happy anniversary again. Um, next week, we'll have some more college football and NFL to talk about and uh, who knows what else. So until uh, next Tuesday, uh, we'll see you then. Guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere. And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. If you only have a 401k, you're not getting the most for retirement. Wait, what? Add a Robinhood IRA on top, then they'll boost it by 3%. You can do that? And if you transfer in any retirement account, you get 3% on top of that. Is there a limit to the match? No limit. Robinhood Gold gets you the biggest contribution match of any IRA on the market. Sign up for Robinhood Gold at Robinhood.com boost by April 30th. Subscription fees apply. Investing involves risk. 3% match requires goal for one year from first match. Must keep IRA for five years. Match on transfers subject to additional terms and conditions. Robinhood Financial LLC, member SIPC.